you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. Remember John, a couple weeks ago, gave that prayer about uh, being in a season of blooming. Does anyone remember that? Season of blooming, and don't confuse it with the season of harvest. And that, um, that prayer, and I'll get into it in a second, just really hit me um, for a, a few different reasons. But I was, uh, I was looking at, like the last time I was up here was Father's Day, and so I had some really... Um, I thought they were great dad jokes to open, but they were kind of corny, I'll have to admit. But that's by definition what a dad joke is, right? So, um, but I, I have to tell you, that day, um, it was Father's Day, and so I got home that night, and my kids got a book that they wrote. It says, What I Love About Dad. So I have to share some of these because it's, um, it's fun for me, and like we got Griffin on, on uh, what's that, FaceTime, and, and like they made me read it to him, and so I was like, whoo, like in just a total puddle, right? But, but there's some great wisdom in here that they wrote to me, but as I read that, I'm like, gosh, I could say these things about my dad, I could say these things about my Heavenly Father, and so I just thought it would be appropriate to share with you a little bit of this, because it ties, it ties so well into... Um, the message I want to share with you, and I don't know about you guys, but like God speaks to me through, the, the world would call them coincidences, but I just call them God's nudges. Like when I get the same input or the same uh, uh, message or word from trusted people in my lives that just, that just reinforce what maybe God's stirring in me in my prayer life, it's... Uh, um, I call them confirmations, right? God speaks to me through confirmations from people like you in the audience, like that, that you know. And you've you've played that role in my lives, some of you that you, you know, whether you know it or not, right? And so, um, so there's a bunch of con- confirmations in this book, and so the um, uh, I'll just I'm going to pick a few. I'm not going to pick the ones that'll make me cry because uh, we'll we'll just be here too long. Um, but uh, I love how you inspire others to try their best. This is my favorite one. I have to admit, you are always right about everything. <laughs> right? Heavenly Father, right? Like, that's, that's a God statement, right? So um, I just couldn't believe my teenager wrote that in there. But um, the... Uh, Oh, there's some other good ones. I love that you motivate me to be kind and to follow God. I'm amazed that every day you work as hard as you do. I would struggle without your advice and direction. There's 50 of these, so I'm not going to make it through any more of them. Except the... Number 45 said, um, I've got to find a funny one before I read that one. <laughs> I, lo- 
I love how you are so good at understanding people. One of my favorites is the, um, I can't find it in here. One of the funny things I like about you is your, your haircut, <laughs> I think, which I don't really have. So anyway, I can't find that one. But, but number 45 says, I love that you have such a strong voice and opinion. So to talk about this, a season of blooming, like I'm going through one right now, like where I thought I would be at harvest at this point in my life, I'm, I'm definitely, like that prayer that John prayed, like set me straight that no, this is a season of blooming and do not confuse it with a season of harvest, right? And it's, uh, and so blooming is like, he talked about like the green shoots coming out of the ground, out of the ground and um, well, I actually wrote a bunch of this prayer down because I was scribbling notes frantically as he was, as he was saying this prayer because he said, you know, season of blooming um, is coming into your life. And don't confuse blooming with harvest. It's a beginning of what you've been planting, praying for, interceding for over other people's lives and declaring from the Word of God. And so the... Um, So there's like there's effort involved, right? When the, when when you think about when a flower is blooming, it's coming out of the ground. I mean, it's growing vigorously, right? I mean, it's day by day you can see the growth in it. It's a, it's a strenuous process. If there's a such thing as a strenuous process for a flower, right? There's life. There's creation, right? It's coming forth from the ground, and so it's it's a miraculous and amazing process, right? And so the um, the the he went on to say, you know, beginning of that seed, um, in, it's a beginning of that seed that you've been planting and watering. And from that seed comes forth the life and the fruit and more seed, right? And it's, we know this story. John's been teaching about a lot of these parables about seed scattered across the different types of soil and whatnot. And so there's, there's a lot more to that, but but just the idea of planting and sowing and watering, and, and it begins with plowing the hard ground, like preparing the ground, preparing the soil, making it right to receive the seed, right? And so this, this all goes into the season of blooming. And so the, um, the, the, uh, he said the essential, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but as you begin to see the result, as you begin to see that, that blade come forth, don't stop. Like you have to continue doing what you've been doing. You have to continue the watering of the seed. You have to continue the care for the soil and continue with the with with the work, right? And so, um, and so, don't stop. Rejoice in the bringing forth of that blade, right? Rejoice in the progress and rejoice and have joy around that and give thanks for it. But continue to nurture it, right? As that stock comes up, rejoice in, in that the future harvest is there. But, but, uh, but, and remember that part of the harvest is more seed to plant, to do it over again. So we're constantly planting, um, planting seed. And so, but, but his message was, you're in, in a blooming stage right now. 
there's work to be done. You've, you know, you've got to dig into that and, and not get hoodwinked into thinking it's harvest time, right? And so that, that, like, that prayer just hit me as um, a confirmation. Of, and, and there's other, some other things in there, but the story, um, like, the story we heard, uh, and, and, and just to, I mean, where I'm going with this, like, the back story is, like, we just changed firms after 20 years, and there's just a whole bunch of headache and drama and noise and, like, distraction and just stuff that, like, is, like, tried to take us off course several times this summer, and it's been, it's been a, a, a crazy summer in that regard, and, uh, I, t- I took this book to work every day. To read that. I love you. I love that you have such a strong voice and opinion. And it sat on my desk, open like that, so I could see that. Because I wanted to stay focused on why we needed to make a right decision for the people in my lives. My, my, my kids but the people around us, right? And it was the first of a few confirmations that came to me in this process that gave me the strength because I, I looked at this and said, God, <laughs> I love that you have such a strong voice and opinion that I kept that there so I made sure I was focused on what his voice and opinion was, that his voice and opinion was first above all the noise and distraction and doubt and worry and anxiety that was just surrounding us, right? And so, the, um, so I, I share that book with you for, for that purpose. Um, but I'm just giving you like the context of the underlying story here. And so we were doing a, we were doing a Bible study um, with the group, I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and, and uh, somebody, somebody brought up how, like, sometimes when you plant seed, like, you may never get to see the fruit of it. Like, you may never, like, and, the, and you think about, like, raising kids is, like, a perfect example of that. Like, you'll never see the final fruit. Like, God probably takes us parents off this earth before we really see them come into their greatest, right? You know, and that's, like, a, an act of faith. Um, but the point is, like, we, the, sometimes the most important seed we plant, we, you know, take forever to bear fruit. Like, and I don't know about you, but I'm impatient. Like, I get frustrated. Like, when I think God's got the timing wrong, like, he has to remind me, no, I've, I've got the timing. Don't, you know, don't, you know, I, I got this. And, and so we were talking in this Bible study about um, a pecan tree. Has anyone ever grown a pecan tree? Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> but the, the, they said that, you know, pecan tree won't bear fruit for 12 years, 10 or 12 years. And I, so, I, of course, I went to Google because Google knows 
a lot of things. Um, and so I, I, I looked up a pecan tree. Like how long, and it says, you know, in a few years, you will have a few pecans out of a pecan tree. Like think about a tree just yielding three or four pecans. Like Now for some of us, like you might say, oh, this isn't working. This thing's dead. It's like it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Like rip it out of there, right? And uh, if you wait six to eight years, you'll get a significant yield of pecans. Now I don't know if that means a handful, a bucket full or what. But in 9 to 10 years, you'll get good production out of a pecan tree. So think about that. Like a 9 or 10 year investment of time while that thing's in bloom, that you're nurturing it, you're watering it, you're treating the soil, you, you know, you're taking care of that thing um, just for pecans, right? But like if we apply that to our lives, like, do we have the patience to stick with a pecan tree? Do we, have a pace, do we have the patience to stick with what God maybe has called us to? Right? And that's something I know I struggle with when I feel like things aren't happening at the pace that I, that I think they should be. And so this is not, um, um, you know, I've given you like my, my context around kind of our stress of the year, if you will. And, and uh, uh, but the, uh, the message on being in a season of bloom right now just like completely turned me around saying, okay, no, this is a beautiful time. This is a beautiful time to just be pouring in to what we need to be doing to serve people and to help people and to bring peace to people. And, um, and so I, as, I, as I started thinking about the, you know, that, that prayer, you know, I, I looked back at, at this that, you know, really held me up a lot of this summer. I was thinking about when, uh, you know, Faith just went to Cuba, and I shared with you guys with that, about that a few, a few weeks ago, that just that, like, and I don't want to, I want to contextualize this without comparing, because this is not a comparison, but I look at, like, when people, the despair that people in Cuba feel about their future and their prospects, and, you know, when I, when I look at their uh, adversities around will they ever get opportunity in their lives and it's like my gosh my I mean I really have choices between blessings like I mean that's a pretty darn good place to be at the end of the day right it's not like my adversities are small um, and that's not to minimize anything that any of us are going through but it's it's at the same time it's like just help me kind of center on what's where does God have me right now what does he want me to stay focused on and it's it's certainly him and his voice and his opinion first Right, and so the um, so I just kind of reframe me. One of my favorite like quotes is that that things are not happening to me; they're happening for me. Right, and just reframing the gosh, they got this mess and this mess, and it's like no, that's all organizing for my benefit. Like I'm growing through that, I'm learning from that, and and it's um, it's a different way to look at things. So as I come back to the the blooming story. Um, in a second, I, I want to share with you the um, the uh, other uh, piece of this um, that I shared with you guys. A, a note I got from a friend of mine, uh, August second, he sent it to me, and I I, I shared this with y'all a, a month and a half ago. And somebody asked me, well, "Would like to hear like what you said to this guy?" And it was the note that I got I got from email, just saying, "Hey." Uh, 
I'm going to paraphrase it because I'll not be able to read it to you, but um, just basically I, I had sent him an email when he was going through the darkest time of his life. I mean, his professional life was completely crumbling and, and dismantling and um, felt like he was totally out of control. And I remember, um, so, so this, this email comes to me August 2nd, 2023, so two months ago. And it just said, hey, um, just want to let you know, you reached out to me 12 years ago in this email. You remember this? And uh, you, uh, I was desperate, and everyone had turned their back on me, and you were there. And uh, he, you know, he, he said, I've read that email message to me over and over and over and over again. Um, and I just want you to know that it may have saved my life. And, and it's, uh, and some of you ask, what did you send him? <laughs> what, what did you say to him? Um, and the, and, the, and this, the, the other piece of this that I didn't share was at this time his, his wife had called me in tears just saying, I don't know what to do. He's so angry at God, like he's not going to church with us. He's just, you know, he's, you know, he was going through it all, like just, um, and uh, so, I, so I knew that was going on too because she had, she had confided that in me. And so the, uh, so the message that I, that I sent him, which when he sent it back to me, it couldn't have been more perfect timing because the world was yelling all this garbage at me, and it was like, I saw this, and, and I, don't, I don't remember writing it. I mean, I was, it was 12 years ago. I wasn't even 40 yet. I was a young Christian. I mean, it was like, it's one of those things where you're like, wow, I, that was, um, yeah, I, that was pretty insightful, but it was really just, you know, a person caring for another person and reaching out and saying, hey, I love you, and, you know, that you will prevail. Right, and that's think about it. That's all God asks us to do: is to be that person in that moment for somebody when we've got the love of God in our heart and we want to share it with somebody. Right, and so He uh, and I, I, I. So I'll share a little bit about this. But I said, "Hey, brother, my heart goes out to you. Um, I can't possibly relate to the situation you're going through. It's orders of magnitude above and beyond anything I've ever had to deal with in my life. It's so far. So I can't, I'm not going to pretend to say I know what you're going through because I don't. Um, but I don't, I don't believe in coincidences, and I have to share with you that I was reading Acts 26, uh, 15 through 18 this morning. Um, and ironically, this guy had told me when we were in college or shortly out of college, he said, boy, you really got to read the book of Acts. There's so much wisdom in the book of Acts. And so I pointed that out to him, that a good friend of mine told me that I needed to read the book of Acts, um, that friend being you, right? So I, I said, you know, the, you know in, in that passage, Paul is, um, is imprisoned, has been imprisoned falsely for two years, uh, and he's relaying to the governor and the judge like what uh, the story of, uh, on the road to Damascus of when he meets Jesus, right? And, and, um, 
and it's, uh, you know the story. Paul asks, who, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. And he says, get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and them from Satan to, to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, place, and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Right? So imagine Paul is being imprisoned so that he doesn't get this word out, right? Like they are keeping him locked up so that he can't go and preach the gospel, right? Yet here he is with the governor saying, no, this is truth. Like he's declaring truth and sharing the gospel while he's completely under attack by the authorities and by, by law enforcement, right? And so, um, so I shared with my friend, I said, you know, I can't help but think that you're kind of walking in those shoes right now. Like you're under attack from, from your employer and they're going to probably destroy you personally and financially. And, um, and it's, uh, it stinks. But you could handle the magnitude of the responsibilities given to you when you are working for them and walking with Christ. And you can handle the hell that's about to be unleashed on you if you keep walking with Christ. Right? And, uh, and God's going to use you as the vessel and a messenger for the lesson to show up, to show how to show up for His flock in going through adversity. Is, and, that, and, then how, and how you show up is that you persevere on the right path. You don't get sucked into the lies that people are going to spew on you. And so, so I, I went on to share with him um, the devotional that was attached to this Scripture that I was reading, and it was titled Recover. And, uh, and he replied, his initial reply to my page and a half email was, thanks, I know you meant it. And I heard nothing for 12 years. I didn't, I didn't remember this email until he sent it back to me. I didn't even remember it when he sent it back to me. Like, you know. And, and it took, it, he told me it took him two years before he went back and read it again because he hated parts of it. And I said, you know, in the devotional talks about to recover, it says here, it says here and I'm just quoting from the devotional in my, my, my men's Bible here, men's devotional Bible. It says here, let us at least try to struggle honestly. We need to be confronted by our actions, our messages, our shortcomings if we expect to learn and grow. We can't place blame on other people. We've got to own it. Um, so I don't know about you, when you're down and out, like that might not have been the, like, the one thing that I would I would certainly want to hear and maybe wouldn't be receptive to it, right? Um, I said, you have your family and that you're not dead. And that may be the only good thing that comes out of this whole thing, but uh, I said, you know, you've got to flip this. You've got your family and you have life. 
It's not that you're not dead. It's that you have life and you get to make a decision on where you're going to go from here. And I, and I just kind of laid out, like if everything goes away, like, and you get wiped out financially and that's where you think you're at a year from now when this is all cleared, then just start there now. Like, worst case scenario, you've hit the bottom. Just start there now and where's God's next step to step up out of that hole, right? And uh, again, I can understand why he didn't reply to me, frankly. So um, I said, Jesus doesn't allow you to get to this point so that he can crush you, but to lift you up. And I said, you have to begin to seek that. You have to seek that. Because everyone else will tell you everything else that you don't need to hear, but you need to anchor on Jesus and what His Word and His vision is for you coming out of this. Um, and so the... Uh, I'm not boring, you guys, I hope. Okay. Um, I said God doesn't keep us in misery, but He allows us to experience the joys and the heartaches of the results of our actions, and this too will pass, but you will be strengthened for it. You have an amazing testimony. I read this week that your test is your testimony, your mess is your message. Right? And make this that. I said real faith is believing and acting obediently regardless of the circumstances or contrary evidence. And after all, if faith depended on visible evidence, it wouldn't really be faith. Right and and uh and I you know I said this is my no time machines if you don't have a time machine the history doesn't matter like because there's nothing you can do about it right and so I, I said you know our, our I said faith cannot undo your consequences or you know, your current circumstance right um, it's ancient history the beauty of what God gives us is God allows us to repent and to release ourselves from that ancient history and focus on what he wants to paint for us in the future, right? And, and so, let yourself out of jail so you can focus on your new life. So, um, so anyway, the, uh, so 12 years later, he sends this back to me. He says, thank you for that message. Can't tell you how important that was. So, like, that was a pecan tree, right? I mean, the fruit of that seed that I planted that I totally forgot about, had no idea that all this time it was having the impact of watering and nurturing and growing and blooming in him and seeing him start to come back to God. It's just like, oh my gosh. And just, um, but I didn't write that. Like, I. I don't know where that came from. It just was, you know, a moment, right? A God moment is what I would call that. I don't, um, and that's, that's what I love about His voice and His opinion. If we'll stay focused on Him, that voice comes through us to people that need to hear it. And need to see it, and so the um, the the um, the boomerang with that email when he sent it back to me was literally I I just that day I had gotten a phone call from someone in my old firm just barraging me, and I was and I was just starting to weaken, and I was like, but then I I, I grabbed this and I got that email from Rick, and this, and I'm like, man, I I, I actually 
my reply to him was, one day we're going to have a conversation um, that if you've, if you've ever, if you've ever doubt, doubted God's timing, you sharing me, with me this message today is absolute validation that God is real, that He loves us, and that He knows the right timing. Because I needed to read all of that on this day, and thank you so much for it. And so, like, um, so, so again, going back to my the, my confirmations, you know, you've got, um, you know, this 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 message of voice and opinion and strength and staying focused on God that I got from my kids of all people. Thank you, um, out of the mouth of babes, right? Um, and then my email from my buddy, and then faith coming back from Cuba and just saying. Wow, these people have adversity, right? And I'm struggling with choosing between blessings. You know, it's like it, it really just was a perspective moment for me. Um, and to to share uh, with uh, this is like you guys have probably hear, heard all of this or most of this at some point in the last few months if you've been if you've been here when I'm here. Um, but I shared also about just the idea of anxiety um, from that from that Bible study, and it was Matthew uh, that that passage from Matthew six uh, twenty five through thirty three. Um, yeah, it says twenty five says uh, therefore uh, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, and it goes on to say don't worry about what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you know how you're clothed. I mean, God takes care of all that, right? And so the, the message there is, uh, you know, as it goes uh, down to uh, 20 or 32, I think it is, for, uh, you know, the, the pagans run after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them. But, you know, so, so basically says, don't worry about this stuff. Like, God's got all of it. But then there's the next instruction that says, seek first the kingdom of God, right? So, there's this caution against worry and anxiety and anxiousness, right? And then there's the instruction to uh, seek first His kingdom. And so the, uh, um, you know, in that message, as we were uh, going through this um, uh, this Bible study a couple weeks ago, that it talks about the uh, freedom from anxiety and the three inner attitudes that go with. Uh, freedom from anxiety. And does anyone have anxiety in here or, or anxiousness or worry or concern? Okay, there's half of you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the rest of you on how you are so you know, good at this. But, like, um, but no, seriously, like we can become free of anxiety and free of worry um, as, as, as God tells us to here. But the, the, the three inner attitudes that we talked about in this Bible study is like, to, to help relieve us from that anxiety or put it in its place really is what we're doing um, and putting God in, in His rightful place is, is one, if we just viewed everything in our lives um, as a gift, right? You're, uh, um, I mean, it's all God's provision. Everything in our lives. I mean, some of us, have businesses or we work for people that create provision in our lives, but you know, whatever talent you bring to the table for that business or for that that employer is a God given gift, right? He created each and every one of us uniquely, gifted us each and every one of us uniquely. Um, 
And that is a gift from God. And so if we'll just view that, you know, our lives around that, that everything is a gift from God, um, that is a liberating, takes a lot of pressure off. Like that, that I've got to go make this happen or grind it out. Or, you, know, it's, you know, God's always working with us and through us and around us to create the opportunities to serve using that gifting and benefit indirectly from the blessing that comes from that. And some of that's to us. Most of it's to other people, but some of it's back to us, right? And so if we just view everything as a gift, that's, that's attitude number one. Number two is we don't have to worry about the stuff. Like it's God's stuff, you know, he'll protect it. Like it's just, it's stuff and it's, you know, we, we don't, you know, so, well, I, I don't know. Sometimes I get to where I, I built that. I got to protect it. No, God, it, God built that. God will protect it. It's not my job. My job is just to go out and serve in the way he's called me to. And, uh, and, he's, and I can trust him to protect Right, and then the third one, and this might be the hardest one. It's the hardest one for me, so I don't know about y'all, but like, am I keeping it available for other people? Shirley, can you get me that water bottle real quick? I'm about to <clears throat> need that. But is it available? Are the resources he's put in my hand and that he's protecting? Is it all available for whoever needs it? Or am I hoarding it in a garage somewhere? Because I might need it or want it for some future date. Or I'm saving it for this or that. Or, you know, it's, you know. And that was a challenging one for me is everything that God has put under my stewardship available for other people because that means everything I and mean, that's a, everything's a big word right there's not really any middle ground there and so so the 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 inner attitudes around having freedom for from anxiety is believing it's all a gift from God believing that he'll protect it that's not my job but my job is to make it available and it it didn't say all at once, like available when you see the need, when God puts the need in front of you, is everything on the table, everything available to meet that need when God presents you with it, right? And that's um, the freedom of, from anxiety. And again, points back to the one instruction where we're told not to worry. The one instruction is seek first his kingdom, right? And I just thought that was a gem, um, of a message, and so I, I, uh, I look again at you know my confirmations um, after making this life change was like this anxiety message came to me through this Bible study, and then John gave that message about being in bloom, or that that prayer about being in bloom a couple weeks ago, and then his message about being rootless. I'm like. Holy cow, there's three confirmations right again. Like, to, And I don't know if this was uh, a couple weeks ago. He, John was talking about rootless living. And I, I love that he said, you know, he gave some characteristics of rooted people. People that are, that are, that are rooted. And he said they have this unexplainable peace in the face of the storm. Right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's that same anxiety message. Like the people that have the inner attitudes around 
accepting that it's a gift from God, that He'll protect it, and that my job's just to make it available when He calls me to make it available to somebody. Like, that's freedom from anxiety. John's talking about rooted people have this unexplainable peace. I mean, I really think that those are interlocked, right? Those, those two words, those two messages. And so, the, uh, so I was thinking about like the term rootless. And I actually went up to him after the, after the service. I'm like, all right, where'd you get that? Was that? Did you read that in a book? He said, no, that's just the Holy Spirit was speaking that message to me because it was, oh, I, I, I literally like wrote like a whole chapter outline on that topic because it's like stuff that God's been stirring up in me. And like, um, um, but it made me think of the, uh, the bamboo, um, you ever heard of the Chinese, like the, the Chinese bamboo, like if you go plant certain strain of Chinese bamboo, like, um, and water it, and water it, and water it, nothing happens. Yeah, anyone ever heard this story? So for year after year after year, nothing comes out of the ground. Like talk about being in bloom, right? This, this would drive you mad, right? Like you're like, and, and who would continue to water it after the first year of getting nothing? Like, who would actually continue to water it and take care of it? Well, um, it takes four years before it actually sprouts out of the ground. And you think, well, gosh, nothing happens for four years. Well, no, not nothing, right? A very important thing is happening. And that's that that root is growing down, down, down into the ground. It's anchoring in. It's rooting itself into the ground so that when it does come out of, out of the ground, it shoots up like 30 feet in a season. But if it didn't have the root buried with four years worth of growth into the ground, it would just flop over, right? In the first windstorm. So, the, so, the, so I loved his message about being, uh, about contrasting root, rooted people versus rootless people because the, the root is the key. And like, like where I've, had to learn to become patient. It's like, okay, God, clearly you're still working on me and my understanding around this issue because you know I'm still unpacking that. And that's the building of the roots into each and every one of us that that um that is the word of God and learning the word of God. And so the um uh so again rooted people have this unexplainable peace and that's um yeah. I don't, and we're never really free of worry, but we can get really good at it, though, right? By focusing on these principles of building deep roots so that we can withstand the storm. So the, um, and it made me uh, think about this, uh, this book called Three Feet from Gold, and it's just an analogy about a uh, miner, like gold miner, who is uh, digging, you know, there's this rumored mother load of gold that he's trying to discover. And he spends three, four, five years just digging to find this vein of gold. And after five years, just in total exasperation and exhaustion, just throws in the towel and walks away. And sells the claim for a penny, you know, for a a pittance um, to somebody who goes in and bam, three feet from gold, they dig another three feet and they hit that vein 
right, and find this wild fortune. Um, you know, and there's, there's two, two risks in that story um, that I think are appropriate. And one is just giving up too early um, and not having faith on the outcome. When God has called us to something, uh, there's a season of bloom. Uh, and in that season of bloom, roots are growing and important infrastructure, the, the, you know, the, the, the stem of the plant or the tree is strengthening and uh, broadening and, and there's a lot going on there. And that's you know, indicative of when, as we're growing through a season of life or growing through a season of challenges, you know, I, I, uh, my, um, you know, we can't give up too early, you know, and Noah's like a senior now and he's like trying to figure out what to do for work or school or, you know, career or whatever. And so he's, he's like, I want to find a good business that makes good money and da 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 And I'm like, well, that's great. But like, you can't just look out at the businesses and say, I want to do that, what that person does. I want to do what that person does. Like, I mean, I think like, you know, Fred and Lisa built a successful business. Like, um, you know, Joel runs the entire doggone largest employer in the county, in the, you know, the county probably, right? So, but you could look at those people that, you know, have achieved some success, and I could point out, you know, any one of you in your, in your role, but we can't just look and say, well, I want to do that because it looks really good when, you know, it's like, no, there was 10 years, 20 years that was blood, sweat, and tears poured into getting to that point, right? And so that it's not an overnight success, it's a 20-year overnight success, right? And so there's, you know, just trying to impress upon him that there's you have to bloom there's that season of bloom that you're going to go through and it's going to feel longer than you think it should but it's very real and we all go through it in uh in many different facets of our lives right and so the um so you know what we've counseled them is go work in that industry you think you want to be a business owner there go work just go to work and start ground zero and do as many jobs as you can in that business and learn all the roles, right? That's your season of bloom, right? So the, the, um, the other example I had, there's a, there's, a exam, there's a book called Good to Great, and they give the example of a, you know, a flywheel where this massive instrument that, you know, trying to get the thing going takes forever to get it to build up speed. And you're like, push, you know, first you're just, it's imperceptible moving this thing. Um, and it seems very slow, but once you get it up and running after hours or days of effort, you know, and you can get some speed behind it, all of a sudden momentum starts to take up where you're just keeping it going rather than getting it going, right? And that's, um, the, the, the analogy there is like, you know, you couldn't look back at, you know, weeks worth of effort to try and get that thing up to speed and say, which push was it that got it going that fast, right? It's not. It's a season of effort, a season of bloom, a season of just being obedient to God's call and growing in that call, right? And so I, I, we, I wrote up uh, Signal Peak yesterday, and I'm like, I was thinking, gosh, can you imagine like, you got to ride up that hill for an hour and then to get to the downhill part that's just like super fun but um but the uh but you couldn't say what pedal stroke was it that got me to the top right no there's 
thousands of pedal strokes to get to the top, right? And so, so, the, so risk one in that story, three feet from gold, is that is giving up too early, right? Losing faith in God's picture, direction, destination, you know, um, goal for you to serve His children. And the second one is if you're the guy that bought the claim for a pittance and then went in and found gold the first day, you might think you're pretty good at it. Right? You might walk into something and say, wow, this is, uh, um, this is so easy. Like, I should go do this again. When it was just, you didn't see all the work that God put into it ahead of time. And, or didn't acknowledge all the work that God had put into it ahead of time to prepare that place, that situation, that field for you to step in and take that next step. And so, you know, again, that worldly um, inclination to say, yeah, I'm pretty good. I should go do this again, right? And, and there's story after story of people that had success in one spot and blew it all because they thought, oh, I can just go do this in all these other spots, when that God had them planted there, and they thought they could just, you know, their ego, if you will, took them elsewhere. And so the, you know, I think of the <laughs> mountain biking analogy, like, it's like taking a ski lift to the top and then just coasting down. It's like, okay, you didn't have any of the effort involved with actually getting to the top or or my buddy had an e-bike yesterday. I'm like, he just like was destroying, he was destroying me because, you know, like I never saw him. Like just, like, okay, you know what an e-bike is? Like, yeah, they go faster. So, um, so, but we see, uh, but we, you know, we, we can fall into that trap of like, you know, like it was too, it was easy or I could go do that again because, we didn't. Uh, we saw the success, but we didn't see the process or the the time and the effort or the season of bloom that went into creating that success. And uh, there was a trend. Uh, you know, I grew up in the '80s and '90s in suburbia uh, in the middle in the Midwest, right? And there was I saw a study that when my generation came out of college, like they just went. You know, they they tended tended to buy single family homes in greater frequency than generations before. And it was, so I grew up in the 80s and 90s. It was the, um, I don't take this the wrong way, it was the trophy generation, right? Everyone gets a trophy, right? And it's, you know, the beginning of the self-esteem movement. And everyone gets, you know, everything they want. And no one, you know, no one ever, you know, whatever. whatever. Just, it's characterized, but everyone know what I say, what I'm saying when I talk about the trophy generation, right? So like, so, but there was this trend they identified that kids at you know my age coming out of college they were buying single family standalone homes as their first home in greater frequency than had ever been seen in generations before and it was and the and the when they looked into it, it was that they grew up just in an environment it's what they knew, and they believe that that's just the environment that they're supposed to be in, but the problem is as children growing up in a suburban home, you don't see the steps that went into getting into that point. I mean, my parents were in like seven homes prior to that, like an apartment, a condo, a townhome, you know, and it was, 
and, but none of that registered for me as a young child because I didn't. I only knew my my childhood home, which at that point was the suburban home on you know, backed up to a park. And so, so when I when I read this study, I'm like, yeah, that's that's the problem. I saw I you know we saw the success or we saw that end place, and we just said, I want that for when I'm an adult. Like so, my generation just went out and bought a house, right? Probably not the right decision. Like jump in over, you know, over your head in a mortgage right out of college. Not even, doesn't make sense at any level, right? Don't have kids to fill it up. Don't, you know, just, but we didn't see the season of bloom that went into growing into that, um, that type of housing. So that was um, uh, just a, another example I was thinking of when thinking about this that that risk um, in the three feet from gold analogy is that if you don't see the work that goes into it, you may jump too quickly to thinking that um, that hey I'm pretty good at it or that's just what I want without actually looking at um, what goes into that, what goes into God building you up towards these um, life uh, life events, if you will. And so um, so as I as I wrap up, there's um, I just uh, I'll go back to the I mean these are really questions to share with you guys and they're and they're questions for me and they're just things that I've been marinating on all summer long just do, you know do you have freedom from anxiety um, I mean none of us always have it but we can always work on it right and just work on you know, those three inner attitudes. Do I have those three inner attitudes? Do I believe that it's all a gift from God? Do I believe that it's under His care and protection? That He's called on me to be a steward of it and to make it available when He calls me to make it available to somebody, right? And so stay in tune to His, to his, um, his voice and opinion in first place, okay? And so... Is it God? Well, I just, there you go. I wrote it right there. Is it God's voice and opinion that's strongest in my head and in my heart with my toughest decisions? Right? It's easy with the easy decisions. It's easy when it's going good, but like when it's my toughest decisions, am I? Do I have His voice and opinion first? Um, and then, is there a season of bloom coming into your life? Are you in one? Are you in, and and not to confuse it with harvest but like the, to me the season of bloom is that it's God's timing it's God's provision it's God's protection and it's God calling us to be available as he's called us to be available and and then I ask the question like who am I well one am I keeping him available to others through me right but also who am I to squander that or obstruct that or prevent that or blur that provision um, by my heart having anxiety or worry or constriction around it. So um, so again, it, it may be a while like that season of bloom and I'm like, I think I got 20 years younger this summer so that's the good thing out of all of this. But like... Um, because this just gave me a lot of liberty around letting stuff go and just focusing on what God wants me to focus on. But, but it may be a while, right? It might be a pecan tree, right? It may take a dozen years 
uh, that you're in bloom. But the blessing out of the bloom is that the, the, the picture comes to fruition and um, there's more seed after the bloom, right? There's harvest after the bloom. There's more seed. And guess what? God wants us to plant that too. Plant that and tend it and share it. Um, so, God's timing. We can do the work to prepare us for the gift and the gift of responsibility for the gift from Him. So be a blessing and be in bloom. In a season, bloom. So, Alright, so Heavenly Father, I just thank You for this day, Lord, and I just thank You for the opportunity to share Your Word and pray that whatever piece of it from you to each and every one of us in this room is critical. Just pray that it's, it's come through. And I just I thank you for this church body. I thank you, thank you for how we lift each other up, how we strengthen each other, how we support each other. And I thank you for John and Karen and everything they do for this, this family. Uh, and just pray for their safe travels and safe return. And uh, thank you for this day. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. And we always close with the Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. So, heaven, oh yes, and stand up. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Takes a village, right? Heavenly. All right. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.